Morrison isn't his real name. What is it? God knows we don't. His personal history was falsified and his prints were untraceable. It was possible Morrison had done it before. You can call me sentimental, I don't care. I have beautiful friends, I have a wonderful new family. So what do you think? Can we give this little guy a home? Sure. That's my girl. He's a wonderful man. And he wants to care for us. I don't know. I just... There's just something about him. Oh, that guy in Bellevue that killed his whole family. Cut him up with knives. Maybe they disappointed him. All we need is a around here. He's a good boy, he's a good boy. Isn't he a good boy? He's had his little angel. Hi, honey. He's just some crazy creep. Don't you talk to your father that way. He's not my father. How can you even bear to let him touch you? Stop it! We have to talk, honey. About what? About what is happening to our family. I'm taking care of it. He scares me, Dr. Wondering. Who am I here? Help me! Help! You're a very bad girl. The stepfather. since you had yourself a big hot screaming ear full of forgotten horrors. <laughs> well, that's too long. Pull in close now for a crepuscular half hour or so of the Forgotten Horrors podcast with your hosts, John Woolley, Michael H. Price, and my own self, Wolf Brand Jack. And thank you very much, Wolf Brand Jack. John Woolley here indeed, along with Michael H. Price, our producer engineer, Joey Hambrick. Welcome to another Forgotten Horrors podcast. And this time it's a little newer picture uh, from 1987, even though with a start, I realize that's 34 years old. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, but it is a newer picture and it's one, Michael, that you picked. And I think probably uh, before we go into the synopsis, I'm curious as to as to uh, why you thought this might be a good one for the podcast. It, uh, the stepfather is unduly forgotten, uh, hence the name of the program. The, uh, the performance that uh, Terry Quinn registers is... Uh, a psychotic villain that I would dare say Barrett's mentioned in the same breath with uh, Anthony Perkins' Norman Bates. Uh, he's just as personable, just as conflicted, and just as dedicated to the notion of killing, although uh, the stepfather in this case uh, meanders about looking for victims, and he always picks a respectable middle-class suburbanite setting. That's right. 
Absolutely, he does. So that's basically kind of the plot line uh, we find very early on. There's no secret to it. There's no really spoiler to it at all in saying that Terry O'Quinn plays a, a, a homicidal maniac because we learn that in the very first few minutes of the picture uh, <laughs> when he's wiped out an entire family uh, and he moves on and he uh, and he's kind of a serial um, well, he's a serial killer, but he's also a serial sort of, uh, what would you say, serial monogamy, I guess. Uh, there you the, go. Exactly. Yeah, we'll and, and, and so utterly dedicated to what became a fashionable term in the 1980s, family values. That's right. And he, he the platitudes that he mouths and he, he i mean he's just the all-american guy right i mean he watches mr ed yeah. he uh sells real estate um he's just a uh just and he mouths american uh basically american uh platitudes oh yeah and he whistles camp town races when that's he's right. contemplating me that's right and he's a, and he's just you know he's just a, a sweetheart of a capitalist of a kind of a middle-class capitalist yep and uh, and he moves into his next serial marriage is uh, with uh, Shelley Hack's character. And uh, Jill Sholin is a Shelley Hack's teenage daughter. And really, Jill Sholin is a viewpoint character in this. Yeah. And um, she's having her own problems. She's kind of conflicted. And, you know, I used to teach a class at Oklahoma State University called horror films as a reflection of America's fears. Michael, you've been in academia. You know how you got kind of got a gussy up your fanboy stuff. <laughs> You're going to do it uh, in the classroom. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can always see paranoia about certain things in the culture reflected in horror films. Mm -hmm. uh, this one, I think, has to do with the uneasiness of the blended family, especially. And, you go yes, ahead. exactly. As, as a component of that, then, you find a character who is unable to deal in practical terms with even the mildest form of rebellion. Right. Order. Order, exactly. He, he wants lockstep behavior from his, <laughs> from every new family. And, you know, you just don't, that doesn't happen. Right never happens right, right. Uh, not not in a happy healthy family and uh, when, uh, when when the when the uh, members of the new family basically just be human that crumbles his dreams of domestic bliss that's right and what's interesting about it is we really don't exactly know why we don't we get some hints as to why his character is the way it is but we really don't know for sure what it is that made him this way. You get some sort of tantalizing little glimpses. And that's, you know, I guess that's Donald Westlake, uh, the, the scripter. And, of course, the, the guy who wrote what? How many hundreds? Well, not hundreds, but uh, mo over 100 books, over 100 novels, Donald Westlake. And prolific has written, novels, yes. Extremely prolific and, uh, and made his mark in the movies, too. I guess what? His Harper, his most famous, Sir Parker, his most famous character called Harper in, uh, or rather called, not called Harper, but called, uh, what was he called in, uh, in Point Blank? Walker. Walker. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Point yeah. Blank, sure. Uh, and uh, mm -hmm. so his his Parker character is, is uh, really one of his best known. But this is a really nice 
this is a really nice piece of writing because, because you know immediately that uh, Terry O'Quinn's character is, uh, is a homicidal maniac. Everything he says and does from then on takes on weighted meaning, right? Yeah. A different meaning than just uh, than just what's superficial, and uh, and you know playing the irony of his you know all of his again his social or not socialist his his uh, his, his platitudes about work and about you know how wonderful everything is and his positive thinking sorts his Zig Ziglar makeup basically uh, is just is seen to really I guess ironic effect in this and also a, a part of the horror right exactly. The, uh, the contrast, uh, that, that was about a year. The stepfather arrived about a year after Blue Velvet, David Lynch's. Right. Uh, for many people, defining picture. Uh, pictures of that nature and more that, you know, too many to mention in one sitting, showed or reflected the social reality that was beginning to be recognized of uh, moral cancer in the heartland, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. like like Blue Velvet, not quite as flamboyant a villain as Dennis Hopper, but O'Quinn really puts it across, and he does it from the very beginning, simply by strolling peacefully through the latest scene of a crime. You know what it kind of reminds me of, Michael, and not so much the movies, uh, but the book, and that's uh, that's a killer inside me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Jim Thompson's Killer Inside Me. Sure. Uh, I had problems with the most recent uh, adaptation of it, but the book itself, I, and the reason I basically had problems with the adaptation of Killer Inside Me was because you couldn't get into the character's head, Lou Ford's head, right. uh, to find out that when he's really mouthing, well, he goes beyond platitudes and is into cliches. Uh-huh. And when he's pinning people against the wall, saying things like, you know, nice weather for ducks, or you think it'll rain, you know, all of those, he's yeah. really doing it on purpose. Oh. And I believe that's the same thing with, uh, with Terry O'Quinn's character. Saying it, doesn't make it so necessarily <laughs> exactly exactly yeah yeah no matter how one how much one wishes well and even his name jerry blake oh yeah right i mean that's 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 pretty american you yeah. know and uh they're celebrate when they sell houses and it looks like and it's again like some blended families i guess it looks all great from the outside or like you're saying uh, uh middle america looking great from the outside but sort of rotting away from the inside yeah and and of course that's that's the way he i love the i love the casting this and of course we've talked earlier i would refer the listener to uh one of our earlier podcasts on popcorn uh, if you listen to the podcast on popcorn, you will know that I actually got to carry Jill Sholin's bags for her uh, when she was making that film and uh, and visited with her uh, when I was working for Fangoria. Sure. I'm a huge Jill Sholin fan. And while I don't want to toot my own horn, I will say I'm the person who, who dubbed her in that story, The Thinking Man's Scream Queen. And yeah. I think that's exactly what she was. Very much so. Very, very much. Uh, right up there with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, I think so, and 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 Heather Langenkamp too. Sure, yeah, yeah. capable 
capable of projecting much more than just uh, fright and voluptuosity. Yeah, and a certain strength uh, as when she takes over, when she's got that little romance going with uh, with her kind of boyfriend and, and uh, takes over driving his motorbike. I mean, there's little subtle things like that in it where she sort of takes over. And, you know, um, I th- yeah, Shelley Hack, everybody says, well, you know, or I guess if you, I say everybody, if you remember her, you probably remember her for Charlie's Angels. Where sure. she replaced what Kate Jackson, I guess, in it. I believe. And, uh, yeah. but she only did one season. Uh, nineteen seventy nine was the only season she was a Charlie's Angel. Yeah. She's she's really good in this too. Uh, another kind of a always a bridesmaid talent. Too good to be relegated to the background, and for some reason uh, has achieved greater prominence in pictures that may make a splash, as the stepfather did in nineteen eighty seven but become gradually forgotten. And I'm, I'm really surprised. I hadn't thought about the stepfather being forgotten. It shouldn't be. No, it shouldn't be. And, and yet scarcely anyone I, I find ever mentions it nowadays. And there was, there was a, well, not only a trilogy, but also a remake. Right. Did you see the remake? Uh, no, I have not seen the remake. I haven't either. Joey, uh, producer, engineer, Joey Hambrick, have you seen the remake? No, uh, I have not seen it. I don't know. Uh, perhaps somebody on our Forgotten Horrors uh, podcast yeah. uh, uh, Facebook page or something can let us know what what they think about it because I just have no idea. I saw the second one. Uh, yeah, stepfather. Yeah, you know. and there was a and the second one carried on very well. The third one uh, with a substitute leading man. Yeah, uh, well, Queen wasn't around for the third one, was right. it? Right. There's something to do with plastic surgery that turned him into another actor. <laughs> yeah. And you know those those make uh, together to take you have to take this third one if you take it at all in context with the first two and it makes a lot you know I mean hey if there's a Godfather trilogy then there's got to be a Stepfather trilogy right <laughs> well it, now this 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 uh, uh, plastic surgery you're talking about is that kind of like the one that uh, in that Larry Cohen film where uh, where Betty Davis was changed into Barbara Carrera. That's the one where where the culprit alters his physical features. It's it's an old film noir trick. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. <laughs> it it doesn't work as well. I I I'm biased. Uh, Terry O'Quinn is the uh, is the presence that I want to see when I see a role of a, a picture and a role of this nature. Uh, although he has scored in more recent years uh, very amiably as a as a good guy. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, he was Howard Hughes in, the, in our friend Dave Stevens, the Rocketeer, too. That's right. He was, <laughs> and 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 a and a very strong supporting presence on the X Files. Yes, he was. Yes. Now, have you ever in your uh, in your time interviewing uh, interviewing movie people, did you ever get a chance to talk to Terry O'Quinn? Only briefly. He's got some Texas connections, family, I believe. Uh huh. I'd have to look all that up, but uh, he made an appearance in Fort Worth at a at a schoolhouse, uh, doing traditional Irish ballads and accompanying himself on the guitar. Really, it was quite a contrasting picture from, from the <laughs> It was around that same period of time, and he was a tremendous hit with the kids. Very personable. Uh, we didn't have time to say anything on the record except uh, to acknowledge his his uh, tremendous ability and, and knowledge of uh, 
of Irish folk music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, he's sure a good presence in this one. And, and as I say, I think it's a kind of a genius move to have a teenage girl who, in the best of circumstances, is going through all sorts of psychological things at, at her age. Uh, and then to, to have this new guy thrust onto them. And how many times really have you heard that in real life? You know, that the kids don't like the new dad. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, that, that invariably brands the kids as renegades. Right, as it brands Joe Sholin's character here. Exactly. And the same, I've seen the same thing happen many times where uh, productive employees at a company may receive an intolerant new boss, and <laughs> all of a sudden that's their problem. They're at right. fault. Right. And because they don't. In other words, it's the, it's the conform or croak mentality. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And you find that in business, you find that in family life. Uh, it's uh, what, what is a serial killer, if not an example of extreme toxic narcissism? Right, exactly. And especially a serial killer that demands order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not to put too fine a point Ooh, on it. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> yeah. now we're getting into the arena. Uh -huh. That's right. We don't really want to probably don't want to climb into that. But no. Uh, what do you know about Joseph Rubin? I mean, uh, the, the director of this, I know that he, uh, he did dreamscape, uh, which, which was, uh, depending on what sources I've seen different sources. Some say dreamscape flop that was 1984 mm -hmm. and some say it did pretty well. And it had some sort of, and I've never quite been able to pin down exactly as I was working on the, uh, the Wes Craven biography, there was, uh, there was some, some speculation that, that Dreamscape had not done particularly well as a major studio film. I think it's Paramount. And, uh, and Dreamscape is much like Nightmare on Elm Street in that people are going into dreams. Yeah, it's, uh, Dreamscape is, is, I've always looked at it uh, as what Brainstorm should have been. Okay, uh, a picture that a picture that uh, conveys the state of dreaming as a reality that other people can enter. And uh, what is a movie except an, an opportunity to watch somebody else's dreams? And so it gets very reflexive there, doesn't it? Or it yes. gets like uh, like the Craven thing. It gets to be rubber reality. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's, uh, it's the uh, it's it's a picture that uh, kind of kind of belies Joseph Rubin's background in lighter comedy. Pom-pom mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, girls, for example, from uh, the 70s. Uh, and, and then he also, <laughs> he also did a, uh, a really, talk about rubber reality or, or even Three Stooges caliber uh, <laughs> Yiddish humor, yeah. Gorp. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. It, it's like it's like a Caddyshack for the drive-in trade. Right, right. So he was involved in some exploitation stuff then in the 70s. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, uh, uh, that's an indicator of great versatility. I, I, don't, uh, I, don't trust a, uh, I don't trust a film director who uh, pitches for the Oscars every time. Right, right. Well, he did a good job with this. I don't think there's anything else in his resume uh, that's like this. No. Uh, that's like the stuff for a psychological horror story. 
I mean, he did sleeping with the enemy, but that's about as close as you can get, I guess. That's a picture that bears uh, following closer. Uh, a lot of people dismissed it because of Julia Roberts. And, and well, what's she doing avoiding a non-glamorous picture when she's and, and doing this uh, basically stalker picture? Yes. Uh, yeah. The good son. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it takes it takes a stepfather like tack with uh, good old lovable Macaulay Culkin, <laughs> and uh, so so yeah he's he's got a uh, <laughs> he's got a regiment. Yeah, yeah, and he and so this was kind of this was kind of I, I don't know I guess he's still is he still working? Do you have any idea about that? I haven't seen a picture out of him since the Ottoman lieutenant in 2017. Okay, so he's but he's still around as far as we. Oh yeah. And uh, I know Jill Sholin is not, uh, has retired from the screen. She's not working anymore. That's a loss. It was a loss. And, but then again, you know, this is that the, the film we're talking about was 34 years ago. So she was probably, so she's probably late fifties, I suppose now. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, but you know, that didn't stop Betsy Palmer and Friday the 13th, right? Oh, oh dear. No. So, <laughs> so, you know, you got that, but anyway, it's a, it's a terrific film and you can find it. A lot of places, uh, and uh, I found it on, uh, what did I found, find it on? Roku. I found yeah. it on the Roku channel, and it was just really nice to revisit it. It's nice to revisit a picture you saw when it came out in the theater and find that it's every bit as good as you remember it. Very much so, and a terrific brooding performance in the title role. Yep. Yeah, I think you're right. So uh, we would we would absolutely both recommend that. And uh, Joey, I suspect you would too. You, yeah, you you. Oh yeah, I, I okay, love. There you are. Okay, there you go. Yeah, okay. sorry. yeah I you're, really. You're like just it. coming from all all over the place. This is kind of sorry. You're obviously yeah. the tech guy, right? You can just like materialize <laughs> out of out of anywhere. That's so. me. All yeah, right. Yeah. Michael, yeah, like you. Now we're going to get into the I'll get into the part now where uh, we want to talk about some of our our uh, newer stuff. And Michael, you've got a new is that new book out? Your new uh, crime oh, book out? Texas Texas crime book. It is. I've got one more page to finish illustrating. Okay. And it will be completed about 300, 330 so uh, some odd pages. And what's it called? Lone Star Larson. But when do you think you'll be able to, it's going to be on sale? I expect uh, the uh, final assembly and proofreading will take another couple of weeks. And it should be, uh, should be hitting the, hitting the kiosk to Amazon before the summer's over. Excellent. Very good. Well, I want to invite people certainly to get on the uh, Forgotten Horrors Facebook page uh, that we have. And we've got, Joey, you, do you keep that? Who keeps that? Who's the one that's running the Facebook page? Is that you? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, yeah. If people can get onto the uh, the Forgotten Horrors Facebook page and uh, request films or just give us feedback, and there's a pretty good discussion going on over there. So good. Well, I also have been told uh, by you and by uh, my other uh, online advisor that I should always tell people that every opportunity I have a newsletter that they can subscribe to and uh, for free and uh, an e-newsletter, I guess it is. So if you want to do that, it's www 
John Woolley, J-O-H-N-W-O-L-E-Y, W-O-O-L-E-Y.com, johnwoolley.com. Put out a newsletter every month and uh, got some, uh, well, actually, uh, the character in our cleansing trilogy mm-hmm. is now in uh, a Sherlock Holmes anthology, a wow. short story we've done, Robert Brown and I've done, called Wings Over Sussex. Ooh. In uh, Sherlock Holmes, uh, let's see, was it Sherlock Holmes? What is the what's the what what's the name of the anthology? I just forgot. I just <laughs> out of my head. Sherlock Holmes, the there's two of them. Sherlock Holmes, the Stranger Than Fiction, is the that's the, yes. Uh-huh. Sherlock Holmes, Stranger Than Fiction. It's an anthology, and Robert and I are very proud to be in that. So you might want to check that out. And um, also, uh, we want to keep flogging those horror novels. Uh, Death's Door, now Death's Door, Jiminy Christmas. That's a horror novel that wrote in 1989. Wow, Where, boy. Well, it was it's the, same adju- it's the same adjective noun setup. So it's it's uh, seventh sense, Satan's swine and sinister serpent, a trilogy set in the 1930s horror trilogy, all uh, all epistolary, all told through letters uh, by uh, by a guy named Robert who is in the Arkansas hills uh, and uh, trying to run down. Um, uh, folklore for the WPA and runs into a big old nest of witches. <laughs> and we're, we're real happy about that. Happy to have that one, uh, happy to have that one out. And if you'd like to look that over, I, if, if you listen to this within the next couple of uh, months after we've done it, I've got a special uh, on those books. If you want to order them from my website autograph, so we can do that too. So I think that's it, except Michael speaking mm-hmm. of order. Yeah. How about next time we do a film from 1945 called Strange Holiday? Oh, boy. Do you remember Strange Holiday? Arch Obler, yes. It is, Arch Obler. The the radio genius who uh, uh, hated television so much that he devoted one of his movies to an attack on television. The Twonky with Hans Gottfried. Yes. Yes, and... uh, uh, the uh, uh, Strange Holiday, also known in an, in another cut as This Precious Freedom, was Obler's uh, contribution to the Nazi buster movement of the 40s. That's correct, at which it actually began life as an industrial film, as I understand it, for General yep. Motors. Corporate motivational film mm-hmm. that uh, found a new life. Yeah, I, uh, Obler's an old-time hero of mine. I uh, one of my favorite record albums as a schoolboy was uh, Arch's LP called Drop Dead. Drop Dead, yes, which was in, inspired by his radio series yeah. Lights Out. Remade, remade a number of his radio scripts from the 40s uh, in modern day, well, for 19, late 50s, early 60s, remade mm-hmm. in full wide stereo and it uh, he recommended that you listen to the album in a darkened room. Yep. I, I know I did when uh, I got well, that album. <laughs> Matter of fact, I still do. Oh, I yeah. still listen to that album. It's a, it's a wonderful album. And, you know, I, I think the, some of the Lights Out stuff really holds up. He's a true, like Norman Corrin and some of those guys, he's a really true radio pioneer, Arch Obler. A radio pioneer who uh, 
uh, revolutionized cinema in a modest way with the first feature-length 3D movie. Buona Devil. Buona Devil. Mm -hmm. 1952, is that right? About there? 53, 52? Early 50s. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's why we have imdb.com. <laughs> well, we also want to say that uh, Strange Holiday has a great uh, uh, star from the uh, from the golden age of uh, of horror movies in Claude Rains, oh, the original yeah. Invisible Man, and uh, also uh, that it features in a really not much of a role, but it's just fascinating to see her there. It features Gloria Holden. Yep. As uh, as 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 uh, Rain's wife, Gloria Holden, of course, being the, the lead, uh, the the uh, titular role and uh, took the titular role in, in Dracula's daughter from, oh, yeah. from the early 30s as well. When you complete that trilogy of horror eminences with Martin Kozlik. That's right. And we have Martin Kozlik and you know that he's not going to be a good guy. <laughs> I don't know if he ever was a guy. I don't know if Martin Kozlik ever played it. A good guy in his life. He was. He was a. Uh, he was a pioneering figure, and he should have should should have had the recognition of, according to Basil Rathbone or or Williams, mm -hmm. or uh, he he enlivened so many pictures in his with his villainous presence, and uh, so he's, he's old Hollywood royalty, but always in the supporting. Well, yeah, and the royalty might have gotten dinged up a little bit when he did the flesh eaters. Oh, oh, oh. if you remember, yeah. wasn't that wasn't that a mad doctor? That was a dandy, wasn't it? Well, you know, there is a in my family, uh, there is a, a long-standing story that my aunt Marion used to tell. Now, my aunt Marion took a stab at acting in Hollywood and was had some small parts in a few uh, a few. Uh, films uh lower lower budgeted films she was mostly known as uh, did manda agnes in uh the drunkard live mm -hmm. theater out there with nestor payiva oh, yeah. of tarantula fame and that was her big deal but she appeared in some films and in fact met my uncle who was a security guard at monogram working for wow. trim car wow but she always said that she was in a film with martin Koslek. Mm called The Lives and Loves of Joseph Goebbels. Mm. I have been unable to find that anywhere. Uh, they had a, they had a, they showed it in St. Paul, where, where my aunt was from, and apparently she ended up almost, if not entirely, on the cutting room floor. But she always insisted that was the title of the film, The Lives and Loves of Joseph Goebbels, and Martin Kosleck played Joseph Goebbels. Whoa. Now, you know, I, I I don't know if she just kind of got it wrong or or what, or if it never re was really actually released. But if it came to St. Paul, I would think that it was released. It was just that sounds uh, like a film to me. Yeah, sounds like a film to me. Maybe she didn't get the lead guy right, or who knows. But there's not as nearly as I've been able to tell in my research. It was never a film from that by that exact name. So anyway, there's there's a little a few rabbit chases. Uh, that was probably the longest one for this evening. So, uh, Michael, Joey, yeah. let's uh, reconvene in a little, uh, little while. And after we've all had a chance to take a look at Strange Holiday and uh, if folks listening want, want to take a look at Strange Holiday, too, and, and we'll just reconvene and talk about it a little bit. Nice to compare notes with everybody. It, it always sounds is. great. It always is. And Michael, thank you again. And uh, you too, Joey. We'll yeah. see you guys. We'll be seeing you guys soon.